Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Mr. and Mrs. Brown had two sons. One was named Mind Your Own Business, and the other was named Trouble. One day, the two boys decided to play hide-and-seek. Trouble hid while Mind Your Own Business counted to 100. Mind Your Own Business then began looking for his brother behind garbage cans and in bushes. Then he started looking in and under cars when a policeman approached him and asked him, What are you doing? The boy replied, Playing a game. The officer questioned him, what's your name? The boy said, mind your own business. Agitated, the policeman inquired, are you looking for trouble? And the boy said, why, yes, yes, I am. If you're looking for trouble, just look at the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be nothing but trouble to this world after the rapture of the church. In this episode, we'll look at the Antichrist, who is a main character of the apocalypse. Revelation 13, 1 and 2 read, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority." Though there is speculation continuously as to his identity, as members of the church, the body of Christ, we will never know who the Antichrist is. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 teaches us that the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture of the church. But there is always a potential Antichrist in the world. Satan does not know when the rapture is going to happen. So there is always someone who would be the one that Satan would use should the Lord come. Following the rapture, he will step forward onto the stage of the world and quickly rise to prominence. But we won't be here to find out who he is. We'll be in heaven with all members of the body of Christ when God resumes his prophetic program with Israel. The beast in verse 1 is the Antichrist. And being called a beast, it teaches us what he will be like. He'll be like a wild animal, predatory, fierce, vicious, strong, and dangerous. In 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Paul calls him that man of sin. We learn by that that he is a man, not an angel, not a demon, not Satan, not part this or part that. He's a man. And he's a man bent on sin and rebellion against God. He will be the embodiment of evil. He will be utterly depraved and unspeakably vile in his character and in his leadership. The sea, in verse 1, refers to the nations of the world. Revelation 17.15 says, The waters which thou sawest are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In the beast rising up out of the sea when he is revealed to the world, we are taught 
that the Antichrist will rise up out of the nations, not Israel or Jerusalem. But Daniel 11.37, which gives us more information about the beast, says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. That passage tells us that he will not regard the God of his fathers. This shows us that the Antichrist will be a Jew. As the phrase, God of his fathers, is a Jewish expression referring to the fathers of the Jewish nation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Speaking of the Jewish king Ammon, a king of Judah, 2 Kings 21-22 says of him, And he forsook the Lord God of his fathers, and walked not in the way of the Lord. So the beast will be a Jew who comes from one of the Gentile nations. When we say he is the Antichrist, Christ means anointed, and it refers to the Messiah. He will be the Anti-Messiah. And the Jews would never accept him or believe on him as their Messiah if he were not a son of Abraham. So we know he will be a Jew. Daniel 11.37 also says that he will not regard the desire of women. This has been given numerous possible explanations, that, such as that he'll be a homosexual, or he'll be single, or he will be so driven, so strong-willed, he'll have no desire for women. Or that he will have no regard for the true Messiah of Israel. Because the desire of every Jewish woman was the honor of giving birth to the long-promised Messiah. And that seems the most likely explanation based on the structure of that verse, which speaks of him disregarding the authority and sovereignty of the true God, the God of his fathers, and the desire of women, or the promised Messiah. And he will not regard any God, but will magnify himself above all, opposing all worship and religions, demanding only the worship of himself. As Paul says of him in 2 Thessalonians 2.4, He opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. When the tribulation opens, Revelation 6 describes the seal judgments. The first seal judgment that is open reveals how Satan's Antichrist will enter the world scene, and he is pictured as counterfeiting the true Christ by riding in on a white horse. Revelation 6.2 reads, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. The Antichrist will come riding onto the stage of the world at the beginning of the tribulation with a bow, and he will go forth conquering and to conquer. But he comes in with a bow with no arrows, teaching that he will come in under the guise of being a peaceful political leader. His conquering without arrows speaks of bloodless victory, won by means of deceptive covenant deceptive agreement, policy, and politics. Daniel eleven twenty one and 23 teaches that he shall work deceitfully. He shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. By this, he will rise to power and be given a crown. And this wicked deceiver, 
will at that time sign a seven-year covenant and peace pact with Israel, which marks the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. Daniel 9.27 tells us, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, or seven years, and in the midst of the week, or after three and a half years, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations. The Antichrist will sign a covenant of peace with Israel, which ensures her protection and makes it possible for her to rebuild her temple and reestablish the sacrificial system of the law. The seven heads and ten horns in Revelation 13.1 speak to the power structure and alliances with kings and kingdoms in the future tribulation. According to Revelation 17, the seven heads are seven kingdoms with seven kings. The ten horns with ten crowns are ten kings who have no kingdom. Horns in the scripture express strength and power, both offensive and defensive power. A bull with one head and two horns, as we know, is a powerful creature. But a beast with seven heads and ten horns has that much more power. The image of the Antichrist here in verses 1 and 2 hearken back to Daniel chapter 7. In the chapter, in that chapter, Daniel had a dream and a vision of four beasts rising up from the sea. The first was like a lion, the second like a bear, the third like a four-headed leopard. The fourth beast Daniel saw in his vision was dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. The fourth beast is the Antichrist and his kingdom. And here in Revelation 13, the Antichrist and his kingdom are seen as gathering in the symbolism of three preceding empires. The lion portraying Babylon, the bear portraying Media Persia, and the leopard portraying Greece. And as it's been said, well, this symbolism suggests that the Antichrist of the future tribulation will embody the sum total of all the world empires that oppose God and his people throughout history. So the superpower of the Antichrist empire will entail all the incredible wealth, splendor, glory, and military might of the ancient kingdoms of Babylon, Persia, Greece combined. It'll be greater and more powerful than all of them put together. Verse 2 says about the beast, And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan and given authority by him. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Revelation, Volume 1, is a hardcover 208-page commentary written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler and covers Revelation 1-1 through 6-17. The purpose of this volume is to dispel the notion that the church, the body of Christ, is the subject of the first four chapters of the book of Revelation. With God's help, this book presents a bird's-eye view of what lies ahead. 
To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Revelation 13, 3 and 4 read, And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. Then they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? In verse 3, one of the heads of the beast was, as it were, wounded to death. The term wounded means to put to death by violence, mortally wounded, fatally wounded. Speaking of Christ, the Lamb of God, Revelation 5, 6 reads, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain. Also here in verse 8 of this chapter, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, it reads. Slain is translated from the exact same Greek word translated as wounded in verse 3. And one commentator wrote, The statement is the counterpart of that in Revelation 5-6, where we read of the Lamb as though it had been slain or slaughtered. In both cases, there had been actual death, and in both revival. The one is a mocking counterpart of the other. Revelation 17-8 reads, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. The was of his life refers to the first three and a half years of the tribulation, when the beast will solve so many of the world's problems, rising to power through politics, bringing in a supposed world peace so that people on that day will be saying, peace and safety, 1 Thessalonians 5.3 says. The and is not of the beast is referring to his assassination in the middle of the tribulation. At his death, his soul will descend into Hades in the center of the earth or the bottomless pit. Then, under the permission of God and giving the world what it has always wanted, a Savior other than Jesus Christ, the Antichrist will be allowed by God to return from the dead, and his deadly wound was healed, and he shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. And it is more than likely that this occurs after three days. Through the Antichrist, Satan will counterfeit the death, burial, and resurrection of the true Christ. Christ ministered for three and a half years and was crucified. And likewise, as Revelation 17, 8 says, the beast was, that is, for three and a half years, and is not, he's assassinated, and yet is, comes back from the dead. And this catapults the Antichrist to an even higher, exalted, earthly position before the world. 
And unbelievers at this point will then wonder at the beast, Revelation 17, 8 says. And Revelation 13, 3 here says, and all the world wondered after the beast. But I love the little addition in Revelation 17, 8 about the future of the Antichrist after stating that he was and is not and that he is and he will rise and ascend out of the bottomless pit. The verse adds that he will go into perdition. He might ascend out of the bottomless pit for a little while, but ultimately he's going to perdition, the eternal damnation of the lake of fire. And Paul calls him the son of perdition because he's fixed for that. Nothing will change that fact. Perdition is the Antichrist's destiny. And as a result of his death and resurrection, the Antichrist will grow to such immense heights of power and influence in this world that he will successfully demand that the world worship only him. And out of their wonder of him, they will willingly and obediently worship the Antichrist. Unlike our Savior, who was despised and rejected of men, the Antichrist will be gladly and freely worshipped, admired, and accepted by men. And not only will the world worship the beast, in verse 4 we learn that they will even worship the dragon, or Satan, which gave power unto the beast. Because of his seeming invulnerability to death and supposed power over it, he will gain worldwide acclaim and the whole world will say, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And the implied answer to these rhetorical questions in verse 4 is no one. They will believe him to be all-powerful and invincible and God in the flesh. That those kind of words, who is like, who is able, is in Scripture, we see those words reserved for the worship of God. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? But people in that day will believe the beast to be God, so that's why they say these questions. And it's at this point, the midpoint of the tribulation, that the Antichrist rises to the point of reigning supreme in the political, military, and religious realms on the earth. And verse 8 of this chapter states, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Revelation 13, verses 5 to 10 says, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power is given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Verses 5 and 6 state that because of the adulation of the world and his massive pride, there was given unto him, that is the beast, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. 
And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. And this is why the beast has the name of blasphemy upon his heads in verse 1. Daniel 11.36 says of the beast that he shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods. So unlike our, our Savior who came to do the Father's will, the Antichrist and his unbridled pride will do only his own will. And unlike Christ, who humbled himself, the Antichrist will exalt himself and magnify himself. His arrogance is demonstrated in speaking marvelous things or astonishing things of blasphemy against the God of gods or our God, the true and living God. His blasphemy will not be subtle. It will be open and it will be monstrous. Verse 6 states that he will open his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. His blasphemy will be directed against the true God and his name. God's name encompasses all that is true about him. But believing himself to be God, he will exalt himself and tear down, scoff at, belittle, and taunt the living God. He will also blaspheme God's tabernacle. This includes mocking God's tabernacle, his dwelling place in heaven, and his heavenly temple and his heavenly throne. And he will also blaspheme that dwell in heaven, which in the context of the book of Revelation is speaking of the martyrs of the tribulation. There'll be a joke to him that they would die in the name of Jesus Christ. In reference to his blasphemy in verse 5, it states there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Satan is the one who gives him his mouth of blasphemy. The beast will be the mouthpiece of Satan. He will voice Satan's absolute rage against God. The arrogance and blasphemy of the beast will reach such heights that at the midpoint of the tribulation, he will go straight into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He will boldly march straight into and through the holy place. He will then rip back the veil, enter the Holy of Holies, sit on the mercy seat, seat the Ark of the Covenant, and as Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.4, he will sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. After having died and then risen again, he will say that he is the antitype of the sacrifices of the temple, that he is God, and he will demand that all Israel and all the world worship him and him alone. But showing that God is in control of this entire situation, verse 5 says that the beast will continue without restraint only for a period of 42 months, which equals three and a half years, the last half of the seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist will operate only within the time limit set by the true and sovereign ruler of the universe. Verse 7 shows that the Antichrist won't be all talk. It will be given unto him to make war with the saints 
and to overcome them. In his hatred against God, the beast will wage war against the saints of God. From Satan's own hatred of the saints, he gives unto the Antichrist the same hatred, the same murderous fury against the people of God. After posing as their protector for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the Antichrist will show his true colors halfway through the seven years, and he will betray Israel and break his seven-year covenant with them and unleash a persecution unparalleled in history. He will make war with the saints, with all those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah of Israel. The beast will demand that the Jews in the world worship him as God and the true Messiah. He will pursue and overcome and destroy those who do not. Daniel 7.25 puts it, that he will wear out the saints of the Most High. Leaving his peace program in the past, during the second half of the tribulation, the Antichrist will devour and pulverize people and nations and crush and trample underfoot whoever's in his path. He will pursue and hunt the saints of God to attempt to kill them all. And unlike our Savior, who came to seek and to save that which was lost, the Antichrist will come to seek, to destroy, and to kill. Verse 7 states that his power and authority in that day will be over all kindreds and tongues and nations. The Antichrist empire will be worldwide. He will be a world dictator. He will counterfeit Christ's worldwide kingdom reign on the earth. He will have one for himself, but only for a time. It will be the last world empire before Christ's reign. And the beast will have the worship of the world, of all unbelievers, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This vision in chapter 13 concludes with a call for spiritual understanding. If any man have an ear, let him hear. That simple statement is a reminder for us all that we need to always hear and heed the Word of God. Verse 10 is a message of comfort for the future saints of the tribulation. And the message of it is basically this. Let the beast do his worst and have his hour. Those that lead you into captivity, they will go into captivity. Those that kill you with the sword, they will be killed with the sword. Vengeance is the Lord's. He will repay. God is righteous and just. It will be captivity for captivity, torment for torment, sword for sword, death for death. And the beast and those who do his bidding will face God's vengeance at Armageddon and in the lake of fire forever. They will be punished for the sins and atrocities they commit against God's people in that day. And to the tribulation saints, the word says here, here's your patience. Here's the truth for you to trust, to endure through it all. Because God is always faithful to his word and to all his promises.
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.